Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Give it a listen. Well, hello everyone. Um, How many of you think Maddie and Morgan should do a stand-up comedy show? (laughs) You could just host a hangout and I would show up and listen to you gals. I kind of want to just tell you to just like go for it. Just unleash, unleash it. It's funny. I actually, I'm remembering this right now. I officiated Maddie's wedding and uh, Morgan is the maid of honor and I'm standing right up here on this stage and said something about how I know them uh, and the two of them are a force of nature and everyone in the room just kind of erupted in laughter because if you know them, you know. Thank you so much for doing announcements beautifully. That was great. My name is Jamie. Welcome to Revive tonight. We're so glad that you're here, whether you are here in person or if you are tuning in online on the live stream. Thank you so much. You've heard it a thousand times already this evening, but we are so glad that you're here and we have been praying for you and we mean it when we say it. We believe God has led you here tonight and we don't mean that in like a spooky, woo-woo, weird way. Like we just mean we're so glad you're here and God is up to things and there are so many different opportunities for you as a young adult to be doing different things on a Thursday night and you are at church which means that God is working in you. And so that is awesome. Thank you so much for being here. We are starting a brand new sermon series this week, and I'd like to open it with this question for you. What happens when God shows up in the lives of human beings? And I would follow that up with another question. What happens in your life when God shows up? How do you know that God has showed up? Do you feel it? Do you not feel it? Do you always know how God is showing up or has showed up in your life? Or maybe do you think you only know like a percentage of it? What happens when God shows up in the lives of humans? We're starting this, I think, adventure of a sermon series. The last couple series have been really awesome, but I have to tell you, I have been waiting for this one kind of with bated breath because I am expectantly hopeful for what God is going to do over the course of the next six weeks in this series. And it is about the awakening that happens in our lives when God enters in and gets a hold of our lives, gets a hold of our stories, and we get kind of awakened to the work that God is doing in us, awakened to the work that God is doing around us, and all of the fun that comes after that. And sometimes we know how God is working and sometimes we don't. But as people of faith, we believe that somehow God is working, that God is working where we see it, that God is working where we don't see it. And there's a sense of big or small trust that God is doing something that probably has a positive impact somewhere. And maybe maybe you're like, well, she said it's probably positive. I believe that it is positive. Maybe you're not all the way there yet, but that it's probably positive, that that God is probably doing something positive in you and in the world around you. So here's the thing. We're gonna be talking about awakening. And honestly, I kind of... I kind of want to tiptoe up to using this word, but then I want to not use it, but I'm going to go ahead and use it anyway. I want to talk about revival. I want to talk about what God does when God, no pun intended, but kind of pun intended, revives people. Like, what does God do when God enters our stories in a way that just kind of blows things up for us? And maybe that's a small, steady, slow, slow burn awakening of God getting a hold of us. And sometimes it's it's like a microwave. It's just like a ding. Oh my gosh. Like I see how God is working in my life or I feel it somehow and I never did before. And anywhere in between from a slow burn, like a crock pot all the way to the ding of a microwave, God works in all these different ways. And I want to talk 
about that in the course of this series and the different ways that God awakens us, the different ways that God shows up. But before we get to the good news of that, I want to start with a little bit of like maybe some bad news. I don't know about you, but if somebody asks me, I have something to tell you, but do you want the good news or the bad news first? I always say bad news first because I want you to hit me with the high point afterwards. So what we're going to start with is some quote unquote bad news. I don't think that all of this is bad, but it looks kind of dark when we get into it. And you're like, Jamie, I don't know where she's going. We're going to talk about statistics. (laughs) Yeah, this is super fun. I see some of you like actuaries in the room. You're like, yeah, statistics. I was not anticipating that. You are excellent. This is so good. Okay, let's go. So the first couple of statistics that I'd like to talk about tonight, uh, as you'll see on the next slide, you'll see two graphics. And one of them is the decline of church attendance. That's the top left graphic from 1994 to 2004. I don't really need to interpret this graphic for you. You can see there is a clear downward trend. So around 1994, about 62% of Americans said that they were regular in church, weekly worship, more than just sometimes. They were like, yeah, I'm a regular. I'm a regular at church. And you can see that um, the closer it gets over the span of these 20 years to 2014, that it's at an all-time low as compared to when the graph started. So decline of church attendance from 1994 to 2014. And then the second graph that you can see there is weekly church attendance by generation. So it's broken out a little bit more and it's looking at different dates. This is from 2003 all the way to 2020. And so that top blue line, it's kind of small, that top blue line are the elders, then the really closely underneath it yellow orange line are boomers, and then Gen X are the light blue line, and then millennials are the red line. And as you can see, there is still a clear downward trend. Overall, it doesn't even really matter on attendance, actually, or on a on a generation, I actually think it's fascinating. One of the only upward lines that you see on that entire graph is the millennial generation. Now there's nothing on here about Gen Z. I don't think they were really pulling that in 2000 when Gen Z were born. (laughs) Um, So we'll get that that sort of statistics later on as the years progress. But I think it's fascinating that one of the only upward lines that we see there is millennials, but then you can see by 2020, it's gone down from 29% to 25%. It is no shocker to most people that that the church is in decline. Now, the interesting thing is when you look at kind of like the history of Christianity in the United States, sometimes it's like, well, the evangelicals are doing great. Like they're up, they're trending upward, but the main lines are kind of falling. Sometimes it's the reverse. Right now, a lot of the church attendance numbers are just kind of in free fall. And it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. And I think, and I think it's really sad. I, I love church. Surprise, here I am. I think church is great. Uh, I love being in worship. I love being here. But I do think there are so many things that have been happening over the course of the history of the church that people are kind of, some people are maybe fed up a little bit. And some people are maybe like, man, there's been some, some hurt by the church. There's been some, some misses by the church. There's been some catastrophes in the church And it's not even just one generation. There's a lot of generations, I think especially in COVID, that are like, man, I don't really know if this church thing is worth it. I don't know if it's worth my time. I realize in COVID that my priorities have kind of reshifted. I really like being home and I'm reevaluating where I want to spend my time and maybe a church that um, people were involved with before doesn't really seem to kind of cut it. 
And maybe that sounds really harsh. I don't mean that in a harsh way. I just mean that's what I see when I look at the state of the church. So here's the other thing. Um, the clicker isn't working, I don't think. Maybe, oh, it is. It's doing the weird thing. All right, we're back on track. Uh, can you go back to the, yes, thank you. I'm just going to put this down. So COVID-19 online church attendance, again, by generation. So the blue is stayed at the same church. Orange is switched churches. And red is stopped attending. So you can see the middle orange, um, not as many people switched churches as the number of people that stayed in church or just completely stopped going altogether. So boomers is the far left, then Gen X is in the middle, and then millennials. 50% of millennials stopped attending church in COVID. It's a lot. You didn't. (laughs) You're part of the other percent but I bet you know somebody that stopped coming. Now, here's the thing. I told you I was starting with bad news and that we're gonna get to some good news. Let's start talking about the good news. One of the incredible things is is that Revive is special. Can you go back? Sorry, I'm just gonna literally put the, (laughs) the clicker down. This is a special place because there are young adults here on a Thursday night. And there have been young adults here in this room on Thursday nights for 11 years. 11 years of Revive. We just had our birthday in September, which is really incredible. And I have to tell you that I don't, I don't tell you often enough how special you are, probably because I don't want you to get like a big head or, or to think that like, oh yeah, Revive's so special. We hear about it every single week. And I don't mean to say it too often so that it sounds trite or whatever. And I probably could talk about it more often. This is a really awesome place to be. If you're new, you didn't even know how awesome this place was, but now you know. And if you've been around for a while, you're still here. And that tells me that you also find something special about this place. A couple of things I want to tell you, and I, I don't talk about these things very often. I don't think I've talked about any of things, these things in the history of Revive before, and it'll probably be many moons before I talk about it again. But for the purposes of this, here's some really good news about Revive and about hope. So I can't even begin to tell you how many young adults have reached out to me today about coming to Revive tonight, this past week about getting involved with Revive. We are in a weird season right now where there is a bananas number of young adults reaching out to me on a regular basis saying, how do I get involved at Revive? How do I serve through Lutheran Church and through the ministry of Revive, both at Revive and beyond? How do I get involved? How do I get connected? The numbers are kind of staggering. I've never seen anything like it in the almost six years that I've been here doing this young adult ministry. Last week after Revive, we had a serve team meeting. It's a brand new team that we're just starting that will help synthesize and kind of like look at all of these different mission opportunities that we have here at Hope and say, okay, of these hundred opportunities, which five could we do at Revive in the next six months? And then how do we show up at those events so that when young adults say, yeah, I want to go to that thing, but like, I don't know if I'll be the only young adult there. I don't know if I'll know anyone there. This team of people will say, well, I'll be there so you can come and you don't have to worry because there's going to be people there. 20% of Revive attenders last week stayed for this serve team meeting. 20%. That's like bonkers to me. That was my stretch goal of how many people I'd love to see stick around. I was looking today, I know that Hope is one of the largest churches in the country, but uh, this was staggering to me. Hope is now the 18th largest church in the country. (laughs) I 
knew we were in the top 100, but to go from the top 100 to the top 20 is like, what? Now, I did talk to Pastor Richard about this today, and I will say this. He was like, maybe it's because of all the other churches that are losing attendance. And I was like, yeah, that's sad. That's a sad way to rock it up to top 20. <laughs> but like, we'll take it. You know what I mean? <laughs> So now we're in the top 20, which again, I don't say these stats to be like, oh, we're so cool. We've been trying to get in the top 20, but God is doing bananas things in Iowa, in the middle of nowhere. So hope is in uh, the top 20. And actually I couldn't find the exact stat on this when I was looking today, but per capita, so if you look at like the ratio of how big a city is to then the ratio of then how big the largest church is, a church this size, and I don't mean Lutheran Church of Hope, West Des Moines, I mean Lutheran Church of Hope, West Des Moines, Hope Ankeny, Hope Grimes, Hope El- like all of our different campuses and local sites, but just also specifically Hope West Des Moines, a city of West Des Moines size should not be able to sustain a church as large as Lutheran Church of Hope here. We have too many people at Hope that it doesn't even make sense because there's also so many other churches and then you have to account for all the unchurched people or people that um, aren't going to church anymore. So a church our size doesn't make sense here. Hope is, and this is like one of the weirder ones. I don't talk about this very often, but Hope is the largest ELCA church in the Northern Hemisphere. (laughs) I don't, we don't know about like some different parts of the world, but at least in Iowa, it's the largest ELCA church. It's the largest ELCA church in the country, and it's the largest ELCA church probably in the Northern Hemisphere. You are sitting in the young adult ministry at the largest ELCA church in the Northern Hemisphere. That's kind of cool, right? You can tell your grandma about that at Thanksgiving. That's a nice little like talking point, you know? (laughs) Um, And so then beyond that, we have a lot of online classes right now and more adults are enrolled for our online classes right now than in the history of hope. That's crazy. Alpha last fall in COVID when we were like, it's fall COVID. We thought maybe we'd be able to be out of COVID by last fall. And so we took alpha, which is how many of you are in alpha right now or have taken alpha? Okay. A lot of you. Okay. (laughs) Then the room doubles when I uh, say have taken alpha. Last fall, we took alpha online against the recommendations of a lot of people. We tried capping it at 400 people and we ended up having 600 people sign up for Alpha. We had 125 hosts. We had over 700 people on Zoom. Can you imagine a team meeting of 700 of your closest friends? Uh, Don't, (laughs) but it was crazy. And so I tell you all of this, like I, I start with some like kind of bad news and then with some wild news about how God is working here because God is doing something nuts. There is no way that any of us could do this. There is no way I could do this. There's there's no way any of our our pastors could do this. In a time of almost free free fall decline, hope is growing. We are adding campuses. We are adding local sites. There are young adults continually coming to revive on Thursday nights. That shouldn't happen, but it is. God's doing something. And this Tuesday night, I was meeting with some of our Revive volunteers, and one of them just said to me, Jamie, I don't know what is different about Revive this fall, but it just feels different. It feels good. It feels really good to be in this room. It feels really good to be here. How many of you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. It feels really good to be here. Whether or not you know it, you are a part of what God is doing here at Revive and Lutheran Church of Hope. 
if you are here in this room, if you're watching on the live stream, if you're listening to this later, you are a part of what God is doing. And it is very clear that God is up to something. And it reminds me of one of my favorite verses from the book of Luke, where two men are walking um, on this road to Emmaus. And this is after the resurrection. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been in the grave. Jesus has risen. And they're walking along and Jesus appears to them, but they don't know it's Jesus. And so they're talking with Jesus. And after a while, Jesus leaves them. And they realize that it was Jesus and they turn to one another and they say, didn't our hearts burn within us as Jesus was talking with us? Like, how did we not know? We should have known. Didn't our hearts burn within us? And maybe you feel that way when you're here. Maybe you feel that way when you're here for weekend worship. Maybe God is doing things in your life outside of this place, which I hope so, where you feel like a match has been struck. And maybe you feel like there is a candle burning or there's like a vat of oil and you are on fire, you're boiling. Like, that's great. I mean that in the most positive way possible, (laughs) that you are like on fire. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe you just feel like the tiniest little match has been struck in your soul. But something is happening and you're here because you're hungry for more. Paul writes about this in the New Testament when he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he calls the church sleepers. And these are dangerous words to to, uh, be written and these are dangerous words to kind of proclaim to you, but I invite you to just take these in. As you'll see on the next slide, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture that Paul writes, (laughs) Paul's quoting the Old Testament. He says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Revive, I invite you to consider that someone is tapping on your shoulder and saying, awake, O sleeper, rise. Christ will give you light. That feels so hopeful to me. I could really use a lot of light in my life right now. I could use like so much light. I could use the heavens opening and all of the glory of heaven coming down and giving me light in my life. It's awakening. And historically, when you look at the history of the church, this isn't a new thing. It's not that God only does revivals now. And maybe you're wondering, like, does revival still happen? Yes, it does. I'm going to tell you a crazy story tonight. Um, But revival has been happening since the history of God's people. We just didn't always call it that. So in the Old Testament, we see over and over and over where the people of God were following God, would fall away because maybe a leader led them astray or they just wandered away on their own. Even immediately after God takes the Hebrew people out of Egypt, they go into the wilderness. Moses is up on the Mount Sinai. God's giving Moses this new covenant, these 10 commandments. And then Moses and God are like, wait, there's a sound, not like, not like God didn't know. I think actually, if I'm remembering correctly, Moses was like, do you hear that sound? God said to Moses, do you hear that sound? And it was the sound of the Hebrew people making a golden calf and praising it. So like, it's just real fast. It just took a real fast downward turn. But over and over and over again, you'll see um, on the next slide, that Israel was all sorts of different things happened. They were reduced to starvation by the Midianites from this verse in Judges. They fell away from God. They cried out to God. They realized they had abandoned God, whatever. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And they said, I'm ready for something different. I'm ready, God, for something different. Awake me, O God. Pick me up from the dead and Christ will give you light. One of my favorite things, this is a little sidebar, but we're going to come back. One of my favorite things about Revive is so many of you are so reserved. 
And I know we have a lot of introverts that revive. I know we have a lot of new people that revive. And we've got people that have been here coming for like four years, five years, longer than I have, 10 years or whatever. But we've got so many people that, that just come in to revive. And I'm going to just observe. I'm going to reflect to you a little bit about what you do on Thursday nights. If you're new, this is your first time, you're exempt. Because <laughs> I've never watched this before. Uh, because you're new. But there's this really funny phenomenon that happens. And I don't tell you this to make you self-conscious. So if you end up feeling self-conscious, just wipe that off. During the opening song, uh, Jacob will say like, all right, everybody stand on up and let's sing. And he usually does like a pretty happy, upbeat song. And you guys just stand <laughs> like this. Just I'm singing and I'm, I'm singing <laughs> like Elf. I'm singing. <laughs> This is what you do. This is what you do. And I'm always like, come on, people. <laughs> but it's fine because, you know, this is what happens. In this second song, sometimes there's a little movement. <laughs> Just a little bit of this. <laughs> it's not much more. Than <laughs> it is not much more than this. But I'm like, I'll take it because something is happening. <laughs> and then maybe by the third song, people are like a little loose and just kind of like swing. Maybe a hand gets stuck in the air, which is like asking for a lot, you know? Usually it's like, maybe there's like a very cautious hand down here, or just one hand, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there's like the graduated, like, oh, I have a hand out. People can see that I have a hand out. And then maybe people will graduate to two hands. <laughs> it's very nerve wracking, because then they can see your pit sweat, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> And then beware, and then maybe, just maybe, there's like one or two hands up, and people are just really feeling it, you know? I don't say this to make you like, like self-conscious. I just want to reflect to you that I see it. One of my favorite things is to stand in the back of the room. I stand in the back of the room to greet all you latecomers that just trickle on in, and also to watch the from this <laughs> to this. And I would like to invite you, Revive, <laughs> as you sing and as you experience God's presence and worship and as you just, you know, make that like loosening up thing happen, to maybe just try something new in worship and just kind of loosen up a little bit. Get a little bit less self-conscious. I can guarantee you everybody else in the room is about as self-conscious as you are in worship, and that's okay. We can just accept that together. Revive. I don't only mean in this way, but I encourage you to wake up, oh sleepers. And here's the thing. I, there are some people that have said to me or uh, to other people and then have told me lately, some people are like, this place can't be Lutheran because people stick their hands in the air for worship. And I'm like, I know, I know, right? If you go to a, a traditional church, you do not see much of this. You don't even see much of that. Like it's just I'm singing, and I'm singing, and that's beautiful. I grew up in a church that sang a mixture of hymns. Hymns are a very, they are deeply meaningful to me, and I, may, I might sometimes cry during hymns. I also grew up in a weird church where people raised their hands to hymns, like it was a strange thing, and it was really beautiful, and I'm really happy for it. Some people are like, it can't be Lutheran because of that. Don't confuse theology with worship style. Theology are our core values, what we believe, how we believe God speaks to us and interacts with us, and how God is calling us to mission in the world. Theology literally just means thoughts about God. You're all theologians because you have thoughts about God. 
Worship style can be anything. Actually, one of my favorite things that Pastor Mike or some of our other pastors here hope will say is, if you wanna get into like traditional worship and you look in scripture, there are no organs in scripture. There's no, there's, there's no like piano, whatever. It's actually like strim, uh, uh, stringed instruments. So actually what we're doing is, is more traditional <laughs> in that sense. So all of that to say, it's okay for you however you feel it. If this is the most comfortable thing for you, rock it. Just unashamedly rock those hands and sides, you know? Just, you got it going on for you really well already, so just continue. If you want to do something a little bit different, there is freedom here. There is freedom to try different things. There is freedom to say, I'm going to let go of some self-awareness. Uh, I'm going to let go of some anxiety, and I'm just going to kind of lean into the the things that I feel like God is doing in me here or here or here or wherever it is. I invite you to lean in a little bit. It's okay to be physically expressive. And also, I just think it's really funny uh, because when I saw, I, um, I went to St. Louis this weekend to see some family and was with some family. We were walking in downtown St. Louis by the Starbucks. We were gonna pick up Starbucks and then go find my other cousins around the St. Louis Arch somewhere. It's a big area. So I didn't expect to see them as soon. We like came around the corner and there my other two cousins were just sitting on a bench right there. And what did I immediately do? Like my hands just immediately go in the air. We watched a lot of football this weekend. This last weekend was a crazy weekend for football. Any football fans in the room? I am not like someone who watches football, so I I realize how weird that sounds like any football fans in the room. Oh my gosh, it was a good weekend for football. And when I saw some crazy things happening, like the Texas Sooners something game, like my hands were in the air and I was yelling because it was just so wild. It was bananas. There were so many fun things happening. It's a, when I'm dancing, sometimes my hands are in the air. Pastors can dance, by the way. <laughs> it is a normal response of your physical body to emote when something big happens, when you feel excited, when you feel joyful, when you feel like moving, whatever. So I just, I want you to know that it's okay that as God is awakening your spirit in worship for you to, to feel that and to lean into that. So... That was a really lovely side tangent. Now we're coming back. <laughs> Thank you for that. One of the things about worship and prayer and experiencing God's presence, especially when it comes to awakening, is what you're, what you're looking for, what you're shopping for, what you're hoping for. And one of my favorite authors, uh, Pete Gregg, wrote this book called Dirty Glory, and I'm reading it with several of our Revive volunteers. It's a phenomenal book. If you want to light up your prayer or experience with God life, I highly, I mean, I recommend this book, the Bible, (laughs) but I also recommend this book, (laughs) Dirty Glory. And the author says this, as you'll see on the next slide, Pete writes this about experiencing God. And so as we begin to pray, began to pray. He's writing about an experience he had in high school where he got some high school friends together to just pray and see what happened and some really wild things happened. And so as we began to pray, we found ourselves caught up in something bigger than we'd ever known. Our earnest desire was to simply, truly, beyond cliche and pretense, to know Jesus. To know Jesus. When we talk about revival, when we talk about awakening, that is the heart behind it. That is, that's the desire. There's no church leader. There's no person. No one can fabricate you having an encounter with God. But if, you are, if your heart is open, God promises to meet you. 
And beyond any other thing that you could be awakened to, I invite you to consider over the next six weeks, how is God awakening you to his presence? And there's nothing crazy or hippie-woo-woo or spiritually like, oh, this might be kind of weird because maybe, maybe you've experienced some kind of like spiritually weird things in the past around revival or whatever, and that's okay. I have as well. I have a really strong radar for a lot of that stuff. But it's just simply, truly, beyond cliche and pretense to know Jesus and have a heart for that. Because at the heart of it all, the God that we're getting to know is that the God of the universe, the God who created all things and is aware of all things and in all things, the God of the universe knows you and likes you and loves you. That is the God that invites you to get to know God. So I want to tell you a really crazy story that I first read about in this book, Dirty Glory. I had never heard of it before, and now I've done a little bit more research, and it is literally mind-blowing. This is a story of a revival or an awakening. There were no big tents. There were no traveling preachers. There's no hellfire and brimstone. There's no, like, coming forward, altar calls sort of things. It's this really wild story that starts in the outer islands like not even just the islands outside of Northern like Scotland, but like they're called the outer islands. That's how far out they are. And so there's this revival that's known as the Hebridean revival. And I'm not Scottish, so I bet it sounds way cooler if somebody Scottish says Hebridean or something like that, right? So there were these two elderly sisters. They were Christine and Peggy Smith. And they realized that in their outer island of the Isle of Lewis, I think is what it was called, there were no young adults involved in any church communities on their island. And so one of them was 82 and uh, bent over double with arthritis. The other one is 84 and blind. And they're like, we can't really do much, but we can, they're feeling nudged to pray. So they begin to pray for the young adults of their island. And one day as they're praying, one of them just kind of uh, gets this vision and not like this crazy, like, whoa, altered state, whatever vision, just a mental picture of, of their church filled with young adults and this preacher was up front. They didn't know who the preacher was. And they were like, oh my gosh, we've had this vision of young adults filling churches. Revival is coming. So they call their pastor and they're like, hey, we had this vision. Revival is coming. And the pastor is like, what? And they're like, no, we saw it. And he's like, well, what should I do? And they're like, pray. <laughs> you should pray. And so uh, they get a bunch of people together and they start to pray. They pray two, maybe two nights a week, maybe three nights a week, maybe one night a week. I saw several different things when I was researching. Um, and also, this is November 1949. I didn't give you any time context. So this is pre-internet. This is 1949 in Northern Scotland. So they get together five hours a night, two times a week, to just simply pray for God to stir in the hearts of the young adults around them. And then one night, something happened. Weeks later, one night something happened. One of the people in the room stood up and started speaking scripture the scripture is a psalm about, search me, O God, know my heart. Do I have a clean heart? Do I have pure hands? And something crazy happened when he stood and started saying this, this psalm and saying, God, are my hands pure? Are my hands clean? And the only way that they can describe it is that the presence of God fell on this place and the room shook. It was this like kind of like wild, like, oh my gosh, is this like the book of Acts sort of thing happening? Like, this is really crazy. And so they continue to pray. Um, and the next morning, the 
one of them sends word to this faith mission at a, in a different place in Scotland and says, hey, revival is coming. Will you send us a preacher? Like, we're kind of out of our, our depth here. And so this man named Duncan Campbell comes, Donald Campbell, Donald Campbell, Duncan, dang it. There's a Duncan and a Donald in this story. <laughs> one of them um, says no one time and then a second time and then a third time on this invitation to come is like, yes, okay, I'll come. So this guy, Donald Duncan, I'll call him Donald, um, says yes, and he's on his way to this island, and he's planning to go here for 10 days to kind of help steward whatever God is doing, to offer prayer, to offer some, like, experience and resources or whatever. And on the the other end of what's happening, they know that someone is coming, but they don't know when, because it's 1949, and they don't have Facebook or whatever yet, even though Facebook goes down, right? So you can't rely on it, but whatever. Um, So they don't know exactly when he's coming, but they just get this feeling that he's going to arrive on the day that he arrives. And so he arrives and he's like been on a ship or whatever and he arrives and someone meets him. They're like, hey, we thought you were gonna come today. This is great and cool because uh, we've got 300 people waiting in the church for you to come speak. Will you just come speak to them? Uh, We've got a a thing at 9 p.m. tonight. Like, will you come? And he was, and then they were like, we will get you dinner. We will get you a place to sleep. Just come at 9 p.m. We've got 300 people there waiting for you. And he was like, yeah, sure. Well, dinner never happened and, and bed never happened because he shows up at this church At 9 p.m., he speaks for a couple of hours. They pray. It's like a normal, good meeting. They have a sense of God. They're, you know, kind of conscious of his spirit moving. (laughs) They're doing like this, you know, but like nothing wild or crazy happens. And then I want, I'm going to kind of read off this because I want to make sure that I get it all. Around 11 p.m., they're wrapping up. And the guy who was at the first meeting who stood and said the scripture and kind of it was at that moment that the spirit of God just kind of fell on the place and the room shook and everyone was like, oh my gosh, whoa. He stands again and he says this same verse and suddenly the room shifts, the atmosphere changes and it's almost as if they can just feel God's presence in the room. People are just kind of falling because when you experience the weight of God's presence, sometimes that's about the only thing your human body could do is just like sit down. People are on the floor. People are, are praying. People are, are wailing. I, I hesitate because this is like, you're like, whoa, people are wailing on the floor in a church. This is getting kind of weird. This is what was happening. People feel God's presence. They start praying. And so Duncan, Donald, whatever, is just like, okay, we're going to just lean into this. So uh, that was about, so 15 minutes-ish go by when this like guy says his thing and and the spirit of God just kind of like whoosh rushes in. And somebody walks in and says, hey, there's 600 people outside. Let's let them in the building. So this is like a church uh, the size of like 800, that can fit about 800 people. There's a picture of this building there. These people that showed up at 11 p.m. were people who were at home in bed, were young adults who were out dancing, and suddenly all together, each from their different places, were like, we got to go to church. Young adults dancing. We're like, we got to go to church. Tell me that's ever happened to you, like when you're at Hush or like, I don't know, Wellman's. You're like, yeah, I got to go to church right now. Like that doesn't happen. And so 800 people are outside, so they make room and... uh, and there was no publicity about this event. It's not like people knew that something was happening. There was no posters around town, no Facebook event. People just woke up in their beds or wherever they were, got dressed, said, we got to go to church because God is leading us there. Uh, Duncan writes about it. He said, God became his own publicity agent and got people there. So these 600 people come out 
come in from outside. The church is bursting at the seams. The meeting continues. People are, are around there, crying there, praying. They're overcome with God's presence. At least five of the young adults who were there that night that became Christians ended up becoming pastors. So around four o'clock in the morning, they decide to start wrapping up and sending people home. <laughs> you didn't know you're going to stay till 4 a.m. this morning. Just kidding. We're not. And, uh, and so they're getting ready to leave. And Duncan is getting ready to go. He's finally going to go to bed. He's finally going to get his dinner. And someone comes to him and says, we need you at the police station. And he's like, oh, no, what's wrong? And, he's, and they're like, no, nothing's wrong, but there's 400 people gathered at the police station praying and crying out to God, you need to go. And so he gets on his way and he goes, and on the way to the police station, there are people on, this is a real story, it, it, it sounds like fantastic to say this, um, but there are people on the side of the road who have just stopped to pray. Some of them are the young adults that left the dance and they just were overcome by the Spirit of God, sat down on the side of the road, and were so overcome that they were in tears, praying, crying out to God. And it turns out that the police station is next to the home of the sisters who prayed initially. And Duncan's like, oh, that's probably why. <laughs> because there's just things happening. And it also happens that at 4 a.m., there's a bus that bought, brought people from a town 12 miles away because they said, I don't know why, but I have this hunger in my heart to go to Barvis or however you say the name of this church. When God wants to awaken people, God will do whatever God wants. And I don't know about you, I haven't necessarily experienced a an awakening of that kind of magnitude, but I know that it exists. I've had tastes. I've seen bits and pieces. And I know that there's something in me that kind of really longs for that kind of, that kind of fire, that kind of passion, that kind of like outpouring of God's presence and spirit. And maybe you're like, wow, Jamie, that's it's a little wild. I will stop coming to revive if people are on the floor wailing. Yeah, that would be kind of weird. And we'll figure that out if that, if that ends up happening. But the thing about God's presence and the thing about awakening and revival is that God will do it whenever God wants, in whatever God's timing, and there's nothing that we can kind of do about it except be open. So this revival happened for five weeks, and then there was a lull, and then stuff just kind of continued for three years. Duncan Campbell ended up staying there for two years. He thought he was going to be there for 10 days, and he stayed for two years, kind of shepherding and stewarding and leading this group of people. By the time this three years was done, the majority of the people on this island were followers of Jesus, and about 75% of them had never even stepped foot in a church. They just encountered God on the side of the road. Just like, and you're, if you're like, that's weird, Jamie, also, that's biblical. What happened to the apostle Paul? He was on his way to murder Christians. He was on the road to Damascus. And like this like lightning bolt of God's presence struck him and he was immediately changed. It's, it's, it's a biblical sort of thing. And so I want to leave you with that story or kind of open this series with that story that's kind of like out there. But I want you to know that's not where the bar is set. That's not like, oh, in this revival or awakening series, that's where we're trying to go. I just want to give you an example of what happens when we say yes to God. I say yes to God, I, f I feel you, and maybe I'm here, <laughs> but I'd be okay with moving to here. God, what are you doing in me?
So I want to leave you with a couple of verses. One of them, the Apostle Paul himself wrote after his awakening when God got a hold of him. And he says, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. The book of Romans in chapter eight says that the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I invite you to consider what God might be doing in you to stir that in you. Another verse, this is from Psalms. This is from the Old Testament, from the the song book of David. God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I feel like I kind of resonate with that in this parched and weary land where there's no water. I feel that these days. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. There's the posture, just whatever it is. I invite you to consider and just check in. Where are you at in earnestly searching for God? Where's that, what's that like for you? And I invite you to again consider if you're here, what if you'd be open to God moving you here? Or if you're here, and I don't mean this literally, I mean this metaphorically, right? But like, what if you feel like God is, is inviting you here? If you feel like God is working in your story and in your life, maybe you feel called to serve. Maybe you feel called to serve with the Revive team. Maybe you feel called to serve here at Hope. Maybe there's something that's been tugging at you for a while. And this is the, the time where you're like, wow, yeah, I finally need to like reach out and figure out what this local organization needs because I wanna, I wanna help and I wanna do something. Because the, the name and the power of Jesus is transformative. And that spirit God gives to you so that you can partner with God to transform the world. And it's not just about knowing scripture and awakening isn't just about like memorizing verses and like, okay, I know God and I, I can experience God in my head. That works, but also Jesus said to the religious leaders a cautionary word about only just knowing God here. Jesus says this in the book of John. You search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, but you refuse to come to me. Jesus is giving them this corrective. God wants you to experience him. God wants you to experience his love and the life and the power that God has for you. So Pete writes in Dirty Glory, kind of uh, in, the, in this chapter where he's talking about experiencing God. He says this, as you'll see on the next slide. <laughs> he says, I tend to want the authority without the intimacy, the power without the hidden hours enjoying God's presence. I wanna be able to walk in like all this like really cool big stuff, the noteworthy, noteworthy news stuff. I wanna be able to kind of like walk in spiritually and kick some butt and take some names. I I tend to want the authority without that intimacy, the power without the hidden hours enjoying God's presence. I would say that you being here, yeah, it's public, but this is part of the hidden hours enjoying God's presence and just just being with God. People, and Pete also writes the next uh, thing on the next slide about being in God's presence. He writes this, if you lose God's presence, you lose everything. But if you know his presence, you already have everything that you will ever need. So I invite you to just a couple reflective questions as we close tonight. I invite you to consider, am I creating space in my life to seek God's presence? And you're here, so I would say the answer is probably, yeah, you've carved out an hour, hour and a half to be here on a Thursday night. 
Where else in my life, in all of my distractedness, in all of my busyness, in my full calendar, in my self-pity, in, in the things that I'm experiencing, am I ready to hear from God? Am I like ready to get a phone call? Am I ready? Am I ready and waiting? Or am I just like hoping that like a lightning bolt will fall from heaven? Am I creating space in my life to seek God's presence? And then there's a, the second bullet point is there's a, 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 what's the word? A parable that Jesus shares in the New Testament about a sower sowing seed and the seed falls on different kinds of soil and the seed is God's word and it is able to take root or not take root uh, depending on the different kinds of the soil. And so one of the soil types is like a a footpath. It's well-worn. Seeds fall there and birds come and just eat the seed. And then there's really rocky soil. It's really shallow um, and uh, the seeds can like take root but then they can't really grow because there's rocks underneath. There's all these different kinds of soil. There's also really like good fertile soil. I invite you to just consider what's the soil of my soul right now? Do I feel rocky? Do I feel shallow? Do I feel like, there's nothing there? Do I feel like I'm cultivating space in my life for it to be kind of fertile? And you you do that to a certain extent, but it's really, it's, it's God's work in us and we respond to it. So I invite you just to consider for a moment as Isaac plays, to just close your eyes if you want, to keep your eyes open if you want, to hold your hands out in front of you on your lap in like a posture of openness or whatever whatever works for you. Just to consider and to ask God, God, how are you awakening me right now? How are you awakening me to your love? How are you awakening me to your power? How are you awakening me to your presence? Just have a moment with you and God for just a moment and then we'll pray to close. thank you for your presence is here with us right now. Your word promises that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, you're there with them. And so we know that you've promised that you're here with us right now. God, I ask that wherever we're at, that you'd help us to be a little bit more sensitive to your spirit, a little bit more sensitive to your presence, almost like tuning in a radio dial just just a little bit to be a little bit more closely in tune with you. God, help us to see you, help us to experience you, help us to let loose in you and in your name a little bit more. God, we love you and we thank you for your love, your love of us that knows no boundaries and you know all of us and you still like us. Thank you. We love you and all God's kids said, amen, let's stand and worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.